Welcome to Hope for Today, a weekly Bible teaching program that will bring you hope for every day. Thank you for joining us this week as we continue our study through Exodus. We are now about halfway through the book of Exodus. The rest of Exodus tells us what happened at Mount Sinai. God reveals himself to the children of Israel in ways they have never seen. They learn more about him and experience him at a whole new level. As we study this part of Exodus, we hope you will also learn more about him and experience him at a level that you have not known him before. As we are going through this section of Exodus, don't lose sight of the big picture. Some of these chapters are filled with lots of small details, and sometimes we wonder why all this information is in the Bible. If you start to feel that way, remember where this fits in God's story. God is building a kingdom, and he will redeem what was lost to sin. He will restore his kingdom in the whole world. We know the children of Israel go on and fall away from the true God, but From the children of Israel comes one called Jesus. Through Jesus, God will get it all back. God's plan will not be thwarted. Understanding this brings purpose to all the Bible because every part points to this end goal. The holy God of Mount Sinai has not changed. We must humble ourselves before him and join his team. Don't lose sight of the end when Jesus will be the king of kings and we will have the privilege of serving this great king. I give you this short intro to remind you of the big picture. God's plan will be accomplished. He was working then, and he still is at work, despite how things appear. Let's go now with Bible teacher J. Mark for a closer look at today's lesson. It's very clear when we read the scriptures that the people of Israel had special significance in God's plan. And God meant for them to listen to him and to obey what he told them. As we move throughout the narrative of the book of Exodus, he reminds them, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. We recall how Moses brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, and it was for them a house of bondage to be sure. Being God's people is no small privilege. Too many people today want to identify as the people of God without acknowledging that there's a cost involved. And that cost is, in part, a commitment to obey God's commands in living a holy life. And so God says of his people and to them, Be holy because I am holy. God gave Israel the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone. They were given as the basis of a relationship between the holy God and his people. Societies that build on these principles have come to light and to freedom, and every child of God should memorize these commandments from Exodus chapter 20 and verses 1 to 17. Listen as I read this portion of Scripture, Exodus 20, 1 to 17. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, which have brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down yourself to them nor serve them. 
For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor the stranger that is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the seventh day, and hallowed it. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is your neighbor's. God chose Israel to be his people, and he defined the areas of life and how they should walk with their holy God. Let me help you see what those areas are from this portion of Scripture. First of all, there is the area of worship. God defined the object of Israel's worship. He said to them, You shall have no other gods before me. I am the God who delivered you, and no one else. So this is truly exclusive. The worship of no other God was permitted in ancient Israel. And the Lord said, You shall not make for yourselves any graven images. That was the ordinance of worship. God's people were not to try to imagine what God must look like and then create something as an object of their worship that would represent him. But men have polluted this whole idea of worship. And so if you go to museums of ancient cultures, you see grotesque and hideous objects that people created as part of their worship. One of Israel's prophets spoke of his people taking a piece of wood and cutting it in two. Part of it they used to heat themselves or cook their food, and the other part they carved a god out of it, and they set it up in a corner, and then they bowed down to worship that same block of wood. So the Lord set forth an ordinance with Israel which forbade them to make any representation of him, whether it was carved or cast, whether it was wood or metal. No image of any kind, whether the pattern was from in the heavens or the earth or in the waters under the earth. The Lord was specific in this area of worship. No material object can convey who I am. There was the object of worship, the ordinance of worship, and then also the order of worship. God said, you shall not take my name, the name of the Lord, in vain. That means they were not to invoke God's name lightly or carelessly. They were to assume their role as the people of God with serious intention, because God would not hold the one guiltless who used his name carelessly. I believe that mankind is vulnerable in this area of worship because it seems in some ways that we have lost sight of the divine purpose and the objective of worship. 
So we ought to reflect carefully on this. When God spoke to Israel about being his people, he defined the area of worship for them. Then there's a second area. It is the area of work. It's interesting that the area of work follows right after the area of worship. I want to remind you that there is a definite relationship between work and worship. So the Lord here defines for them the area of work with respect to their week. He said there was a holy Sabbath day to be observed, and they were to remember that day to keep it holy or to set it apart. The Sabbath had been sanctified at creation by the Lord in the close of the creation week, and so they also were to set apart that Sabbath day. Something else emerges here that to me is significant. Six days of the week were given to them for the necessary pursuits of life. God said, six days you shall do your labor and do all your work. There are some people today who have been greatly distressed because the Bible sets forth this kind of a work ethic. The Bible in other places declares that if a man will not work, he should not eat. And I realize there are places in the world where food is not very plentiful. And even if someone cared to or wished to work, he might not be able to find any work to do. But this concept of the connection between work and eating is a basic principle for life. The Lord declared in these principles that one should labor only six days of the week because the seventh day was a time for rest and a time for worship. He said that on the seventh day you are not to conduct any kind of servile work, that is, menial work, labor, physical labor, not you, not your son, not your daughter, No one that is associated with your household, they are all to observe this day of rest and holy convocation. Even the cattle were given the day off. I believe that in our world today, we need to redefine the area of work as surely as we need to redefine the area of worship. Certainly, God is honored and pleased when we labor with our hands during six days of the week. God himself labored when he created the earth in that period of six days. And then finally, there is the area of well-being. He said, honor your father and your mother. This establishes the relationship between father and mother and children. The family unit is very important to God, and so he brings it into focus immediately in this area of well-being. And then he spoke to the larger community when he said, you shall not kill and you shall not commit adultery. So this addresses interpersonal relationships on the horizontal level with those who live near us. Bible scholars tell us there are several different words in the Old Testament Hebrew text that have to do with the taking of human life. And the word in this particular scripture has reference to murder. The Lord is carefully defining the area of well-being by instructing his people to live at peace among themselves. And that would be to avoid murder and adultery. Certainly, no one has any rights beyond those which the Lord has prescribed for us. So you have the area of well-being in the family and in the community. And then there is well-being as it relates to property. God placed a prohibition upon taking the property of other people. He said very simply, you shall not steal. This meant that you could own personal property. It belonged to you, and it was protected by this particular statement from the Lord. No one should steal from you, and you shouldn't steal from anyone else either.
Then further, God said plainly, do not bear false witness. That is also stealing. It's not stealing something material that a person has, but you can steal a person's good name or their reputation. So do not bear false witness against your neighbor because he has the right to be represented truthfully. And then the final commandment has to do with other possessions that a neighbor may have, whether it's his house or his wife, his servants or his animals, or anything that is his. You see, the Lord made it very clear that in the area of well-being, his people needed some careful definitions. So he defined them specifically for his people, the people of Israel. Being God's people brings with it great responsibility. There are certain areas in which God demands control. Those he has carefully outlined and defined for us in this text. They are the area of worship, where he commands our attention and our loyalty. The area of work, where we respect what he has set up as the work week and the one day of rest. And then the area of well-being for our family, our community, and our personal property. What is left then in life? Very little. God demands the whole of our attention. And what does he give us in return? He gives us his peace. Do you want it? He can be your personal God, and you can be one of his people. Thanks, J. Mark, for giving us these three areas from the familiar passage of the Ten Commandments. If you have any questions, or if you would like a copy of today's teaching, here are a few ways you can contact us. The best way is via email. Our email is hope at heraldsofhope.org. If you don't have email, you could write to us. Our address is Hope for Today, Box 3, Breezewood, Pennsylvania, 15533. Or you can connect with us on our website. Our website is heraldsofhope.org. Thank you so much for being with us. Please join us again next week. And until then, walk with the King and build His kingdom.